Hello everybody, before we dive in today, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to our first sponsor, Shy City Shogun. Uh, he is our first patron, and big shout out to him. Really cool guy, he helped us test in the ECQ and was generous enough to give us a pledge. So, thank you so much. If you too want to be named as a sponsor of this show, or just become a patron and get access to our exclusive Backlash Discord, check us out on patreon.com forward slash backlash podcast. Let's jump into the show. GHP, I'm here. My name is Dr. T Chamber 5, and I'm listening. Also, would you like some sherry? What? No, no, that no, you didn't. That's Fraser. Did you? You never watched Fraser? Okay. I've watched okay. Fraser, but like not not enough to tell you any references. Yeah, yeah, Fraser. It's like uh, he's that's his thing. Is this is Doctor Fraser Crane? I'm listening. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna bring us. Oh, in. I I actually kind of thought you were bringing us in. Nope, nope. Uh, okay, so and you can't use that twice. <laughs> that w- no, we can, we can, no, we can put that in the beginning before we start the intro okay. music. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, uh, okay. So three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Backlash CCG podcast. My name is T Chamber 5, otherwise known as Tim in the RL, and this is my co host, Notorious JHP. How are you doing, buddy? You know, I'm not going to give you the I'm good, I'm good thing. I'm great, Tim. Dark Frontier is out when this podcast goes out, but we're recording it on Wednesday. I'm great. So, yeah. Life is yeah. good. It's. Oh, man. I am. This set is, to me, it seems like such a departure from. Not departure, but it seems like there's so many different cool things going on in this set. Whereas, like, previously, uh, like in Defiance, and don't get me wrong, I actually really love Defiance, but. Uh, in Defiance, it's like, oh yeah, like this is a display and it's very powerful and, you know, whatever. Or, oh, these smugglers are very powerful or, oh, Zhou is very powerful. And so, like, I feel like a lot of the cards are very obviously powerful. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but a lot of the cards in Dark Frontier are, you know, build-arounds or have really cool mechanics that make you, like, look look and go, like, oh, that's weird. And then you look again and you're like, actually, like, what can I do with this? Or could I slot it into this deck? And so I'm very excited to see where we go with these. I think, uh, I think the best way to describe Dark Frontier to someone is, I imagine you went to the dev team, you said, make me a set, but you don't have to run any cards by anyone, like, co- give me, you know, <laughs> put the wacky ideas in the set that could be busted, could not be, put them in the set, and let's see what happens. This feels like one of those um, designers' wet dream sets where they don't feel constrained at all. Um, right. This just feels like a bunch of, this card's cool. This card's cool. Yeah. Like, that's how it yeah. feels like. But, but also, it's it's a cohesive... Uh, that's a cohesive approach that they're taking to the set, too, right? Like, like, and they're also... It's also very on theme, too. Like, the twist mechanic is super flavorful. Whether, you know, whether or not it's it's good. There are good twist cards, but... 
um, super flavorful uh, with the whole Shadowlands thing. Um, Shift, I think, is really cool and also potentially very busted, but we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. So, but before we dive into spoilers, uh, something else happened this week, uh, last weekend specifically. Uh, what, do you know what that is, GHB? Uh, I got called a lot of really rude names last week. Oh, wow. Uh, well, is, are you talking well, about well, that? We no, I mean, we can't, we can't leave that there. Did you get called rude names? That's, that's so horrible. I know. People, I got added in-game. Was it, was it? Was it me? Because I call you rude. No, all the time. worse than what you come up with. Ugh. Oh, that. Uh oh, that's really unfortunate. Why did this happen? Well, you see, I think this is what you were talking about. Let me know if it's you know not what our show notes said. Um, we had the ECQ last week. We sure did. I played a deck that um, apparently people didn't approve of. I played Combray Chains. Those who don't Ugh. know. Sacri sacrilege. That deck is so boring. I don't enjoy playing it, but like, if it was a good choice, <laughs> to play it. Um, and uh, I got added like a fair few times during my ECQ runs and got like really toxic messages about my deck being shitty as I beat a Praxis player. Like, it was really <laughs> weird and I've never experienced it in a tournament. I feel like that's a really funny thing about uh, and I'm just gonna, about like digital card games, but also also like I I've had this experience in Magic too, where um, like I played I play a lot of, of control decks in Magic that are well I'm just gonna say um, subjectively bad. Okay. <laughs> just like really dirtily uh, like do nothing, counter your stuff, kill your stuff, win the game with a planeswalker kind of kind of decks, and uh, I've never had anybody beat me and go like oh, your deck is trash. Every time somebody beats me, they're like, oh, cool deck. Uh, every time somebody <laughs> loses to me, they're like, your deck is trash, right? And it's like, <laughs> no. it's it's never the other way around. It's it's always like, I lost to you and you're trash. And it's like, wait, what? Uh, Combrade Chains, um, you, you got a lot of got a lot of uh, salt messages, huh? Yeah, people didn't approve. And part of that deck, A, it's been really off the radar forever. But B, when you lose to that deck, it feels really bad because... You go from, hey, I'm crushing him, to, holy shit, what happened? Um, yeah. The totally. deck just explodes on, like, one or two turns, and when it does its thing, like, I'll admit it, it's horrible to play against, and it feels like nothing you can do at all. Yeah. So. I, so, I I, I agree. You go, go on, finish your so story. So, I played Combrite Chains, too. What did you play? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I didn't, I was trying to make a sweet meta call, and then following my own advice that I've given to myself maybe, I don't know, the last 20 times we've had a big tournament, uh, <laughs> I played the best deck, and I think I made a couple of good tech decisions, and, uh, uh, I played Praxis Pledge. Boo! Um, I, oh, okay. <laughs> Qu quiet you, Compre Chains player. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, the, I, I ended up making top 32, you ended up making, uh, excuse me, you ended up making, uh, top 16, which is very, very cool for the both of us. I'm extremely proud of our testing process and also, uh, you know, the, the decks we brought and how we played, like, um, yeah, we can, we can get into that a little bit more. Um, 
What, uh, so you, uh, you made a meta call with Combray Chains. Uh, why do you think that was good in the meta? So, we've had a lot of decks that, like, Dark Frontiers coming out, I willing to spill all the secrets type of thing. Uh, uh -huh. We've been saying for probably three to four weeks that Tolut is busted. Just some, like, that card itself seems so good right now. Um, it beats up on Stinger, which was a really big deal. Uh, oh, yeah. It closes games. It makes it so every single unit you play has to be answered. Um, we kept saying Toot seems good. So we played Archerport mid-range, and it was like, turns out AP was actually kind of good already. Didn't need the Toot. Like, it yeah. didn't need to be that big. Uh, yeah. And the funny thing is, and this is the one issue I had, because I'm really happy with our testing process for this event, except this part. Up to about two hours into the ECQ, I was going to play FTP with no Hail Storms. Um, and I then was looking at Friends of Eternal and like people were talking about the, what they were playing as. I was looking at what you were playing because you were the first person to start on our team. And all I was reading was Reanimator and Praxis. And I went, do I want to really just waste my last ECQ? <laughs> and... Right. So when our team was like, I don't know what I'm going to play, but I want to toy with a, pra uh, a Combray deck. And we started toying with a few decks because I was going to play my runs probably the next day. Because um, I wasn't feeling great about my deck. Right. And well, I believe I believe that team member was Captain Team Bro, yes. by the way, right? I, yeah, just shout out to Captain Team Bro. Thank and you. Anyway, continue. We were... <laughs> going through and we were trying games and we were like okay you can either be really aggressive and like stand together or we're set there we're like I really want to play Tillu so I was like screw it I'm just gonna go play some chains played against team bro yeah. like he brought a few decks against me I just crushed him I went on ladder I went 20 and 3 and I was like well I'm playing my ECQ runs today and I'm gonna play chains um so <laughs> yeah, me seems good. the platypus king I am monstrum captain team bro all played chains, uh, and it was like I think I think Platypus King actually played Huru Control. Uh, no, he last minute switched. I think. Oh, yeah. did he switch to chains? I'm fairly cool. certain of that. Um, so Potty went thirteen and nine and stopped. Um, I don't know what Monstrum's record was. I think he was very fifty fifty and decided to drop out. Wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, he, like, he honestly, um, he had a really big fighting chance, but I don't think he was in the mindset yeah. to, to finish, and I totally respect Yeah, that. we've had, uh, I won't say any names, because that's not fair. I've had players, like, I'm the, for those who don't know, I'm, like, our tournament team captain for Rankstar. I've had people message me, like, before ECQs and be like, is it cool if I sit this one out? Like, no problem. I, I just not feel it up to it. Like, that's never a problem. Like, um, it's really taxing. Um. And that's yeah. why, like, I don't do, even though it'd be the best time for me to play, I don't play my ECQ runs in the middle of the night, like, when no one's around, like, at my house, because I like being able to, like, get up and go watch a show with somebody, or I want someone on, like, Rankstar to be awake so we can keep updating each other and talking. Um, I right. need that, because ECQs are really taxing, I find. Um, so, Monstrum dropped out kind of early. Uh, Captain Timber, I think, went 17 and 11. Um, and, like, he even admitted, he, in his first, would say, like, I watched, like, his first six or seven games, and he was, like, 50% win right then. And he kept telling me, he's like, 
I screwed up here, I, I would have won this game. And it was true. He probably could have been 7. Or Exodo yeah. when I stopped watching. But the deck, mm. like, it's kind of tricky if you haven't got a ton of reps with it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, I wouldn't say that... Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that there's a ton of, like, bad lines you yeah. can take and there's only a couple of good lines. But it's like, there's a bunch of decent lines and then there's usually one correct line. So I th it's sequencing is very important. I've deck, thrown sure. a lot of games, and I did. I threw some in the ECQ too, um, by just bad market. That's the hardest part of the deck. Um, oh, totally. Because totally. a lot of times you're like, okay, I have, let's say by hand, I have five power already. I have Merchant, Sigil, Minotaur Ambassador, Chains is my hand. And it's like the, the Justice Merchant. Uh -huh. um, if I merchant and get rid of chains, I get rid of a payoff. If I get rid of the power, I might not be able to play ambassador. And if I get rid of ambassador, I can't get to chains. So the correct answer right. is yeah. either you screwed up earlier and save something for the market fodder, or you shouldn't mark this turn. Um, right. And that's really weird. But it happens because totally. it's a critical mass deck. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's that. That's the thing. It's like you're never like uh, with that with that deck. It's not like there's there's there aren't really a ton of close games with that deck, right? Like you're either you're like you're either losing and just barely hanging on while your opponent runs you over, or you're you're winning right in a, in an impressive fashion. At least that's my experience with the deck. Yeah. Um. I and I've I've honestly never I've never liked the deck just because. I feel like with the way the way that I think and with with my mindset mindset and the way that I approach the game, uh, this deck is too like I, I feel like the games where I, I don't get to to enact my game plan, like I feel like it's it's not like oh like I messed up so I didn't get to enact my game plan. Like sometimes you just draw like all initiates and amber acolytes, yeah, and it looks like a real mopey deck, you know. Um, or not Amber Acolytes, uh, the Trailmaker, that's what I meant. Um, I knew what you were going for. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, um, and, and, but yeah, then sometimes it's like, oh wow, turn five to loot, attack with Iron Thorn, that seems pretty solid, right? Uh, and then, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's just a little too high rolling for, for me. I've never been a huge ramp deck guy, so, you know, that's, I, I appreciate the meta call. I think it does definitely, like, dunk on a couple of different decks, um, and I do think Talute is very, very good. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, and I, I myself brought Praxis to the tournament, um, which uh, is actually the exact opposite of a meta call, <laughs> I think. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we, we, we went through the same thing. Uh, we were both until right before we did our runs. Like, I was... Like I had, I deleted all the decks in the Eternal Client that I had, and I ha I built two. I had FTP, and I had Praxis, and I did a couple of different tech decisions in Praxis, but um, mostly like I put a Lumen Reclaimer in the market, uh, which won me a bunch of games against Reanimator in the Swiss, um, and I played a couple of Talir's Intervention, which was a Friends of Eternal tech actually, um, and that card was very good, but. Uh, I had two decks in my in my thing. It was FTP and Praxis, and like I messaged you a, a screenshot, and I'm like, what do I do? And I messaged uh, Monstrum a screen screenshot, and like, what do I do? Um, and uh, 
like you know i was i had i was feeling very doubtful about uh, i mean about a lot of things like i wrote an article about the ecq experience actually you can check that out on teamrankstar.com um but uh i was feeling very doubtful about ftp like I had, I had so many reps, but like I felt like I just was giving up too much game against a lot of ma- in, a, in a lot of matchups, even though it was pretty solid against Praxis. Um, and uh, the night before the ECQ, like I was playing some games on ladder, and um, I was just running into a lot of Reanimator and a lot of other decks that were just like totally trashing me, and um, so I decided to put FTP down, and I was like, I'm just gonna play Praxis, like. Even the bad matchups with that deck, um, there. Even the bad matchups with that deck are are not horrible matchups. Like there are, I can't think of any decks off the top of my head that are like oh like seventy thirty in in favor of the opponent. Like it's always like you always have a fighting chance with Praxis because sometimes sometimes you just go like turn two teacher into turn three Amaranth Stinger, and then hit hit them with the double inf- inf- infiltrate triggers and uh they're they're dead you know basically (laughs) yeah um but yeah so uh i ended up going 18 and 10 which is you know so i did make the top 64 cut um but i went 0 and 7 in versus the praxis mirror in the swiss and i was like man like am i just getting high rolled and then i went back and i looked at my my um at my profile where you can see the matches and the win and loss and like if you were on the play and whatnot and there were a couple where it's like, yeah, I got flooded, but then I realized that a lot of the games I lost, I was on the play, and I drew pretty reasonably, too. So uh, I, was, I realized that I was doing something wrong, and um, um, so I, you, uh, who else? Um, I am Monstrum, and uh, also... Uh, 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 <laughs> I don't want to say an outsider, but a uh, sort of a, a guest tester, a Shy City Shotgun, or sorry, Shy City Shogun. You um, got it. Yeah, Shy City Shogun. Uh, he jumped in. He took second place with the Praxis deck in the uh, SPG tournaments uh, yep. they put on in in, um, in lieu of the ETS a couple weeks ago. And so he very generously uh, just jumped in and, and played, shoot, he must have played like 10 or 15 games with me. Uh, and then you played about 20 games with me, and then Monstrum paid, played a bunch of games with me. So, um, yeah, so so the night before the the, fi- the top 64, uh, I, I played probably about, I want to say, like, 50 Praxis Mirrors, right? Like, I, we, played, yeah, something we, like we that. played a lot of Praxis Mirrors, and I felt felt a lot better about the matchup. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the next day I took down my first round uh, in the Praxis Mirror, and I felt very proud of how I played. Um, and then... <laughs> In the top 32, uh, I went up against Huru Pledge, and it was really funny because I didn't think about Huru a whole lot because uh, in the Swiss, I played Huru seven times, I believe, and I think, or maybe six times, and I lost once. Um, so I felt really confident about that matchup because a lot of people were like, oh, if you want to beat, like, if you want to beat Praxis Pledge, play Huru Flyers. And a lot of people were playing Huru Flyers, but I was beating them every time. Uh, same thing with Huru Control. Like I, I am still just not behind that deck. I never really was. Um, I, I don't think that deck's good. But um, so the this deck was. It seems like it was built specifically to just 
destroy Praxis, uh, especially with the card uh, Silver Wing Courier. So for those of you who don't know, it's a pledge card, and it, it's a 5-drop. It's a 6-3 flyer, and it has a text box that reads, uh, if you pledged this turn, uh, Silver Wing... Or, or this game, yeah, that's what I meant. If you pledged this game, Silver Wing Courier is immune to damage. So... <laughs> Continuing with the, for those of you who don't know, the only way Praxis has of dealing with opposing units is deadly scorpions and spells that deal damage. <laughs> so, there's literally no way to kill Silverwing Courier outside of Talir's Intervention or Purify. So, the biggest mistake I think I made in deck building, and probably the only one actually, like, um, I wasn't running Sandstorm Titans, which I don't regret at all. Um, and in place of them, I was running Talir's Intervention. Uh, and in the market, I was running a Sandstorm Scarf, which a lot of the Huru decks, uh, they were cheating on Visions of Austerity. So um, Sandstorm Scarf was very, very good. Uh, as opposed to Sandstorm Titan, where it, which would just get vanquished every time. Um, and the only regret is that I was not playing Purify. Because Purify kills that card, and it also kills other things. Uh, with Talir's Intervention, you have to Talir's Intervention and then kill it some other way. So, um, oh, my computer's been asleep. That was weird. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, I, I didn't realize that Silverwing Courier would be super popular, which is probably just a mistake on my part. Um, but yeah, that, you know, uh, you can actually go back and watch the VOD and you, I got a feature match in round, in, in round two and, uh, you can like you can see this really ridiculous board state where uh, I had a sandstorm scarf out and I had hit them with Amaranth Stinger and Teacher of Humility, and I had like five scorpions on the board and I had a Daria that had made a couple things deadly. So I was like I was holding down the fort and I was like I just need to find Talir's intervention and I can win this game and I just I never did. And there was even like there was even one turn where you can hear LSV go like Ooh well. You know, it's not 100% over. T-Chamber has to has to draw draw something, like a string of really good things. And then I went through my draw step, and a Heart of the Vault was on top of my deck. <laughs> and he's like, ooh, warping in a Heart of the Vault is a great way to start. And I was like, okay, I got to warp in this Heart of the Vault, pop the Aegis that's on Silverwind Courier right now, and draw Talir's Intervention, or I lose. Warp in Heart of the Vault, and I drew a power. And then I... <laughs> Uh, I survived one more turn, and then um, I drew a Gunrunner and attacked the Silverwing Courier, uh, committing a virtual Harikiri. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So that was my ECQ experience. Um, I'm, very, I'm very happy with the way that I played. I think that I, think that I in all of my top 64 matches, I feel like I gave myself as much opportunity to win as I possibly could. And... Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm bummed that I lost and didn't, you know, make worlds or make top eight to lock up points for the EC to, for the points challenge or whatever. But, um, but I, you know, looking back, uh, the way that I played was, was great. And that's all that you can really ask for. So, um, would you play practice again? Uh, like, are we talking like same event? Like if same I were to event. go back in time? Um, yeah, I absolutely would. I, I feel like that deck's play style is, fits right in with me. Um, 
you know, it's it's proactive, but it also has, you know, you can grind. Uh, it's doing powerful things. Uh, it has, its bad matchups are still very winnable. Um, you know, I, I think I would, honestly. Um, I, I know that Stonescar won the event, um, which we can talk about in a second here. Uh, Stonescar won the event, and I... I don't know, like, obviously Stonescar is very, very good uh, in into a meta of Huru and uh, Praxis, but I, I still, I don't think I would play Stonescar. Um, I don't think I would play Combra Chains. Like, I think I'd just play Praxis again, and then I would I would cut a couple of cards and and add some Purifies to the deck, and that's that's it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, was, I was very happy with my tournament, honestly. Um, well, and also, knowing what I know now, because, like, like I said, I... I didn't quite understand the dynamic of the Praxis Mirror matchup, so I think that if I had known that, I would have been able to finish, like, ugh, man, I feel like I would have been able to finish, like, 24 and 4 if, if I had known the, the Praxis Mirror matchup, you know? So, right. um, no, I, I don't regret anything besides a couple of card choices in the, in the deck, but that's not so bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you want to really quickly, uh, discuss, uh, the winning deck? Fine. <laughs> so, Stonescar Midrange, uh, uh -huh. won the event, uh, and it was a weird choice. So, it's one of those decks that you know, this deck crushes Praxis. Uh-huh. That's... That's what we know about the deck. That's why it was played, to my knowledge. Um, and I think that's one of those decks that, like, its good matchups are insane, its bad matchups are terrible. Um, although it does have interaction um, for, like, like it has treachery, it has shakedown. Um, it, I feel like the, the decks that um, are good into it are extremely good into it, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, I think this is a... I think Stonescar was an excellent call if you were planning... If your game plan was basically, give me the the people on Haru, uh, like, mid-range. Give me the people on Praxis. And, like, even the reanimator players. Give me them. And I'm gonna try dodge FTP and Haru control. <laughs> yeah. Because those matchups sound terrible. For sure. Um, so... It sounds like Manu did a really good job at doing that. He went twenty-one and seven uh, in the uh, like the qualifying rounds. So did I. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, he went undefeated in games during the top sixty-four, which is hype. Uh, looking at what he played against, yeah, he he hit Praxis, Praxis, Huru, FGS, and whatever his other two opponents were. I don't know what they were. Right. But, like, he hit the matchups he wanted in the top 64, uh, and if, you know, with the information that we were given of, here's what you're going to play, I'm not surprised he took down the event. Oh, um, no, Manu's, for sure. Uh, a good player, and he brought a, he dodged the matchups he had to, and crushed the ones he wanted to hit. Yeah, and that well, bought him a ticket to Worlds. So, yeah, Manu is, uh, you know, he has sort of a polarizing personality, and that's all I'll say about it, but uh, <laughs> he he is a pretty smart guy. He, he, 
I wouldn't say that he, like, I don't think I've ever seen him create a brand new archetype, but what he's extremely good at is taking known concepts, like Stone Scar midrange, right? Uh, when the Stone Scar cards got unnerfed, uh, everybody was like, oh, Stone Scar midrange is the new hotness. And then a lot of really good players that I know were like, it's probably not good enough, right? Um, and, um, and what he did, uh, in true Manuas fashion, which is what I really like about him, is he took this deck and he's like, this deck is really good into Praxis and Huru, which is 75% of the field right now. And I'm exaggerating, maybe not that much, but uh, he's like, this, this deck, really good into these two decks. And so he tuned it so that he'd have his best chance against those decks and probably a little bit of game against the rest of the field. Um, yeah. And so he just brought the best version of a decent deck, and it was a great medical, right? Like, and he wasn't doing anything crazy. Like, he didn't come up with any like wacky brews that destroyed Praxis or whatever. But like, he yeah, he just he just took a good deck and he refined it. And I think you know that's what I really respect about about Manu is he he uh, you know he he innovates within an archetype, and I think that that's an extremely important part of being a good player. Because a, a lot of people will think, oh, like I gotta gotta come up with a new deck, or like, oh, how do I, how do I completely reformat this deck? It's like, no, like realize what your core cards are, and then change your deck to fit the meta accordingly. Like that's that's half of what deck building is. So, yeah, yeah, so, I, I. So, this is backlash, and I don't mind talking about the fact that, like, yeah, there's some people in the who like have some disagreements and problems with Manu. There's lots of people in this community people have problems with. Um, but what I can say is it takes guts to bring a deck that's not, that a lot of people were trashing on. So right now, a lot of people were like, Stone Scar isn't good. I tested it. It was bad. We tested it. It felt medium, in my opinion. Um, Agreed. And I, was, I didn't feel like I could beat FTP or Huru. Uh, and I expected more... FTP than I saw. I saw a lot of Huru still, uh, Huru control. Uh -huh. But um, I expected a little more FTP. I think I played it twice, uh, and then once in the top 64. But the thing is, uh, it takes guys to do the I'm gonna dodge a matchup deck. And totally. I, what Manu does, you're right, is he sits down and he go and he figures out why he thinks the deck is good, or why certain cards are good. And then he either builds around them or refines a deck. And it not many people in this community are very good, or at least on his level of refining decks. So despite that, yeah, there's people in the community with animosity towards him. I think you have to respect him for what he's accomplished. Not just in this ECQ, but he's won ETSs and he's also like consistently been able to make decks that reach um you know tier one status or refine decks to tier one status because he's extremely good at understanding decks and i, I have a lot of respect for that Ex exactly um and yeah like i you know i have mixed feelings about it myself but i you know it's it's i i definitely have a uh, have a respect for him uh because he can he he can build and innovate decks uh in, in a way that a lot of people can't yeah, I just I, I respect that. Um, yeah, and then uh, congrats to Tony G as well, who was the other finalist. Um, both a couple of great great players, um, really really good players that that 
really deserved to make the 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 finals or the the world's uh, top 16 so congratulations to them um but yeah so we have a lot of uh, a lot of spoilers to get to uh i do uh do want to quickly talk about the uh constructed masters challenge and the constructed draft challenge though as well uh and the ecq points and and the ecq point challenge yeah so what do you uh, and those are coming up pretty quickly uh what do you think about these events ghp what uh, what do you think is going to happen with the new set coming out uh with the players that are left that still have to qualify so uh let me pull up the schedule here so the draft masters challenge is next weekend which is really interesting it's a week away and from what i understand we don't entirely know what it's about yet like how it's gonna work uh-huh um winner from what i understand big squirrels then uh, i think so yeah i think it's just first place so there's i think like around 400 people qualified um I assume it's going to be ECQ style when it comes to like two days, um, certain cutoff. Uh, uh-huh. That's what I suspect. But um, this is going to be really interesting. It's going to reward the people who are really good at limited, and it's going to reward the players who are willing to put a lot of time in um, to the um, to draft or sealed or whatever the format is that this is. I'm sure we're going to find out in like the next couple of days, maybe yeah. today. I'm uh, sure, today is it Wednesday. like, I don't know. So here's here's what I think. So in, in Eternal, right, you don't draft with other people. You draft against bots, right? Yeah. And then you, and, like, the the bots are, are pretty solid. Like, they, they have, like, a, there's, there's a decent AI that makes reasonable picks, and that's fine. Um, they don't pass Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, right, which is, they, they, they don't pass really insanely good cards. Right, like you're never yeah. gonna get a gonna get a pack to uh, you know hard uh, the vault. Yeah, exactly. You're never gonna get a pack too hard at the vault. Exactly. So um, I suspect that the construct or the uh, draft challenge is gonna be, as you mentioned, it's it might be sealed where they just get uh, you know six packs or, or twelve packs or whatever, uh, and then they build a deck from those and then they go into the ladder, or they all just do a draft and uh, play on the ladder like that. Now. Playing 28 games with the same draft deck does sound kind of miserable, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm also like, I'm not a drafter. Like I am pretty bad at draft if I'm being honest. Um, so I just, I actually don't know the answer to this question. Are you qualified? Not, no, not for the, not for, I am for the ranked, uh, for the constructed master's challenge, but not for the draft. Okay. I, uh, so... I was going to, and then I just I couldn't carve out the time because it is a it is a time commitment for sure. Yeah, I think there's three, maybe four people on TRS qualify for the draft, but not a lot of us are big draft fans. So I think it's me, uh, Caleb Svich, or however you say his name. Just call me Caleb. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's you. I know Magic Carp is. And then I think it's also uh, Captain Teambro, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think Teambro is yeah. Yeah. So there's a few of us qualified. I know. Like, I know if we find out that, hey, this format is draft, I'm not going to play very much Constructed this week. Like, I'm going to work in draft because right. I I want this world spot. Uh, I've worked really hard, and I, I really want to get there. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's... I, it, but it, like, wouldn't, it would just be, like, such a weird move by Direwolf to make the draft master's challenge 
constructed, right? And like yeah. I, I'm sure I'm almost one hundred percent positive that they will make worlds all all constructed. Um, but I still feel like uh, I still feel like the the draft master challenge will be draft or or sealed. Yeah. I uh, I'm actually leaning I'm leaning day one sealed and let's say there's a cut to top sixty four uh-huh. and then maybe like if they have it in the client maybe like do you know what I mean when I say person drafts instead of drafting with a bot yeah so like they they go into pods of of eight or something yeah, right and yeah then, yeah that so would be have... that would be really really interesting I highly doubt that would happen though because i don't think that the client can support it or maybe they'll surprise us like that would definitely be a pleasant surprise but i don't think i don't think that'll happen they could technically also just make pods like day two um or do one draft and here's the thing if so if you do pods you have eight pods of eight you take all the people who 3-0 that's eight people left throw them in another pod whenever that pod gets there right Right. That's a single elimination 6-0 bracket. Same thing as they already had. Yeah. Um, well, and that that would be sweet um, if they can implement that, but the cleanest way for them to do it without without adding something completely new to the client is to just do just to do sealed or to just do regular draft, you know? Yeah, sealed or regular draft. Yeah. I could see either. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, I, hope I like they the idea of they don't do the what? I hope they don't disappoint. I think it's going to be a sealed day one, draft day two. Yeah, I think that'd be good. And I like the idea of the pods in the top 64, because that's just a really clean way to do it, where you have the eight, you know, the, the eight people to go 3-0, and then that goes in the new pod, and then that's your, your top eight. And I think, so is that, let's see, that's three, four. That works. That's, yeah, yeah, so that's like six or that, seven like, rounds. That's a cut to top eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so that, it, it, it works perfectly, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, who who knows? Um, so I know the I, in a way, I'm kind of glad I'm not qualified because I won't have to go from focusing 100% on draft into focusing 100% on constructed a couple weeks later. It's gonna uh, suck, yeah. Yeah. So I am just when the new set comes out, I'm just gonna completely ignore draft and and you know uh, I have some shift stone lying around, so I'm just gonna craft the cards that I think are gonna be good and start start building for the constructed masters challenge because. Having that a couple weeks after a set releases is kind of insane. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know, the Constructed Master Challenge is two weekends from now. Yeah. It's on the 26th. So it's the week after the draft. So yeah, like for me, I'm going to go a week at draft, a week at construct cycle, which is going to suck. Yeah, that I, I don't I don't envy you. Um, like I wish, oh. I, I do... Uh, I do wish that um, I, I had that that additional chance to qualify for worlds uh, the, for the top sixteen, but uh, I also, you know, I, I don't mind because I can just focus on constructed. So most of Team Rank Star is qualified for the rank challenge. Um, like vast majority of us, I think uh, I am Monstrum, and I think Monstrum, uh, Caleb, and Platypus King all decided to not really uh, like didn't want to go for it because it's not like uh just basically it's really hard to get top 100 near the end of the month so it becomes very stressful um and right. if you want to experiment at all it like ruins your chances yeah it's... so i think they didn't i think most everyone else did right 
Well, and if you're like if you like playing Eternal, or if like if you're a streamer and you, you know, you you basically have to play Eternal to stream, right? Uh, it sucks because you make it into the top 100. Like this, uh, the month that I qualified, I made it in at let's see here, I fought up to rank 50, and it this was like a week or a week and a half before the month ended. Uh, fought up to rank 50. And then, uh, because the ladder was so crazy at that time with so many people trying to get into the top 100, my rank degraded, um, and I went down to, I think, like, 75 or something like that. And I was like, man, like, I just got a queue again. And, like, I, pl I played two games, and I won the both, and I uh, I shot back up to rank 35, I believe. Um, and uh, but But those two games were, like, the most... Like, they were so nerve-wracking because I'm like, I'm either, like, going to solidify my chance to qualify for this thing or I'm just going to knock myself out and be very sad. Uh, but when I qualified to, to the top 35, uh, I was like, well, uh, I can't I can't touch the, the play button in, in ranked, so you, I either have to go draft, which I, I get tired of after a while, or I have to play casual, which is not fun. I'm just going to say that. It's not fun. Yeah, I don't. Not for me. Yeah, and uh, it, it's just, it's kind of a, like, and honestly, like, nobody, in, in people in our position that play Eternal competitively, uh, it's just, it's such a crappy position to be in, because you still, we still like playing the game, but we also like experimenting with, with new archetypes. But when you experiment, uh, you know, the, the, when you experiment with things, uh, you're, you're going to lose a couple games. And you're gonna change your deck, and then you're gonna go go play again, maybe lose a few more. But if you're trying to camp at the top 100 or make the top 100 a month, you can't you can't really do that, and it yeah. sucks. Um, yeah. So I'm, and it's it's really funny because like I've I've still made masters every 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 month afterwards, but it's like you know my 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 ranks have been between 300 and a thousand. Like I I haven't really been super competitive about it, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So there's one more event. Uh, which is the week after the rank challenge, which is the ECQ showdown, which uh -huh. is the top 32 point earners and ECQs that did not win an ECQ qualify for one more event. Winner qualifies for worlds. Yes. Mission one of my so the reason I wanted to play FTP so bad this weekend originally was not only because I thought you know the deck would be fine. Uh, and I knew it well. I thought this is a safe deck, and for me to lock up an ECQ showdown um, spot, I basically needed to top 32 uh -huh. the ECQ. So I didn't have to go for a win. So stat one was make top 32. Um, now, turns out we did it. I finished top 16, and then I don't even want to talk about my top 16 match. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I qualified for the showdown with 10 points. Um, I think the cutoff ended up being 7. Um, or no, there's... I think right I, now it's actually... I think 7 were, is safe, 6 is tiebreakers. Yeah, I think there were 1 or 2 6-pointers in there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we we don't have the formal list yet, but Noverb, who is awesome, has been like compiling one. Uh, yeah, Noverb is awesome, team. by the way. Shout out to Noverb. Yeah. Uh, also qualified for the the world championships and member of uh, the Friends of Eternal team, just an all around nice guy. Yeah, big fan, and yeah, he's been keeping track of like people's points so they have an idea. 
Uh, I'm for sure locked up for this. We can assume that this is just going to be a constructed event. Um, yeah. But with it being top 32, I'm not sure if it'll be single elimination. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was... I mean, that, that'd be kind of crazy if it was just single elimination, right? Um, five first person of 5-0 wins. It's like... Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they'll probably do some sort of a Swiss thing, right? Like, I kind of expect a shakeup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope that they'll do like, f you know, four to five rounds of Swiss for thirty-two people. I'm trying to think here. Um, so with thirty-two people, you could do if you do five rounds of Swiss, you end up with a five-zero. Uh, but just just one five-zero, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, yeah. So they'll do. I, I suspect they'll probably do five rounds of Swiss with a cut to top eight. But like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah, I I would be cool with that. Hell, you could even do um, like I know it's possible that you do five rounds of Swiss, cut the top sixteen, uh, single in from there. Like you can, yeah. um, it's up to them, of course. But uh, this is gonna be a really weird one where there's not gonna be that many people. Um, I could easily see like I got like there's I'm the only one on TRS qualifying, and let's say like. I theoretical. Let's say there's one person on like the Great Parliament qualifying. Are we supposed to work together? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be really weird because there's not gonna be everyone's like um, secret because there's 15 people on each team trying to play. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's gonna be really cool because it's gonna be different. Um, now, here's I'm just gonna give some foreshadowing for the future. Maybe a little bit of a spoil. Okay. There's three of these challenges. I'm going to Worlds. <laughs> I haven't figured out how I'm getting there yet, but I'm going to Worlds. Well, all paths lead to the top of the mountain there, BHP. Yeah. <laughs> what are right. the, I, I'm winning one of these. Sorry. Well, you know, I, I believe in you. Uh, but uh, we are running a little long right now, so we should talk about uh, spoilers before... Uh, <laughs> before, before, you know, we, we climbed that, that mountain. Uh, All right, let's and prepare go. for for Dark Frontier tomorrow. So, uh, before we talk about specific spoilers, we've each chosen uh, our top five spoilers that have been spoiled since the last time. Uh, since the last time uh, that we talked about spoilers, which is a week ago, and we've gotten a million spoilers since then. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are really good. Uh, but it's still pretty hard to pick your five favorite. Uh, but uh, something I wanted to talk about were uh, a couple of things. So. The set seems to have a warp theme. Uh, so warp being if there's a unit on the, or a card on the top of your deck, it has warp. You can play it from the top of your deck. Um, so there's a bunch of cards that give your deck warp. There's a bunch of cards that give your units warp, uh, or a card that gives your units warp rather. Um, so there's a few a few different cards that sort of synchronize up all the warp synergies, uh, as well as the cycle of five cost legendaries that have five influence requirement. Um, that all seem pretty powerful. Um, and then we also got another mechanic called, uh, well, we got Twist, which we talked about last week, but we also got Shift, uh, and Shift is um, on units, uh, and it'll have a Shift cost. So let's say it's Shift 2. You'd pay two, co there are two power instead of whatever the cost is on the unit, and then it would go... Uh, it would go onto the board uh, with three little shift counters on it, 
Uh, and after three turns, it would emerge as a unit, and it would be able to attack with unblockable. Uh, and then uh, while it's shifted, it still has its um, it still has its uh, effect. So uh, it's um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, the effect that the static effect. It still has a static effect. So if if it gives all your units plus one plus one, it'll still give all your units plus one plus one while it's shifted. Um, so what do you think of these two? Uh, what do you think of these two mechanics? Uh, warp isn't a new mechanic, but what do you think of the warp theme and the shift mechanic? I so warp I've just always like. Um, warp is really interesting where it lets you draw. Uh, like it lets it lets you draw cards essentially, and it also gives you knowledge. Like let's say uh, this happens a lot currently. You're playing FTP. It's like turn three. Uh -huh. and, um, and all of a sudden you see Heart of the Vault on top, uh, and now you can make like an informed decision uh, of maybe like, maybe I don't want a crest, because I want that heart, right. uh, so I get a free scout, you know? Uh, maybe I, uh, I want, I wasn't sure if I wanted to crest this turn, but I definitely do now because I don't want to hurt the vault. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it just it just gives you more information, right? I I love warp. I find it really fun to play with. Um, of course, sometimes you warp hard the vault, and you're like, "Wow, this is broken." Yeah. <laughs> because that's the warp card that's used the most play. But as a general, like in a vacuum, I love warp. I find it really fun to play with, and I especially love it in limited because oh, yeah. you can do some wacky things. For sure. Uh, Without it feeling too broken. Yeah. Well, and there's um, there's a lot of really cool warp cards that just don't see any play. I think the second most, and this is probably wrong, but I think the second most played warp card is probably End of Hostilities, uh, which is a six-cost card that says, uh, you know, copy a, a unit, a tribute, make two copies of that unit, and it has warp. Um, and that's mostly played in Kennedans, although we haven't seen Kennedans really pop up in a while. Um, so yeah, that card, uh, that card, uh, really good. Um, Warp also gets, like, I think that in this next set, and I think I may have said this, uh, about one of the cards in Homecoming, but I think we might see an uptick in, um, Second Sight. It's, uh, the two-cost spell that lets you draw two cards and then put a card on top of your deck. Um, because... That's interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot of really cheap, uh, Warp spells in this deck, and, uh, I think... Um, you know, if you have the if you have the power, uh, or if you have the resources to be able to cast Second Sight and the Warp card, uh, then you're sort of uh, you're sort of nullifying the downside of Second Sight, and you're just drawing two cards for two, which is very good. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like the reason people play uh, Fate cards with merchants, right? Like they play Jotun Hurler, uh, not because. <laughs> They don't play Jotun Hurler because it's a 3-3 three, three for 5, or because you get a 1-cost deal 1 damage spell. Uh, they play it because it gives you 2 cards, and the Snowball is okay for popping Aegis, and it also gives you a card to tuck away with your Merchant or Strategize or whatever, right? Um, so I think that we'll see an uptick in Second Sight if, we, there's a, if, there, if there is a deck that wants a lot of warp cards. Yeah, I could actually see it. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's really interesting. Uh, 
figuring out where warp is going to be in the set. I don't get me wrong. We have this card called Workshop Forge, which makes everything scary. Uh, oh yeah. So random thought: If you, I wonder how many warp cards you have to play for that card to be okay. So uh, I okay. I have uh I have a thought on that card. I I don't want to talk about it right now because I'm gonna when we go over our top five. I have. I kind of cheated a little bit because in my number three spot, um, they, I, I have like three cards, but they all they all work as a combo. So cheater. Yeah, I, I know, right? Hey, you know what? You have you have five cards occupying one of your slots. I see our show notes, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so do you want to? Uh, oh, actually, uh, yeah. What do you think of the shift theme? Like, and we can talk about specific cards here in a moment. But what do you think of the the mechanic shift? Eh. Eh. <laughs> it's it's. So, I get it. I um. I feel like it feels so awkward. It's in this category of cards. It's like it's hard to interact with them, be and you need specific answers, and they can't be hit by certain things again. So yeah. it's like sights, but the sights have grown on me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's like sights. They don't die to weapons. Uh, in this case, the only thing that can kill um, shifted cards are like kill spells that don't target so it would be like harsh rule and lightning storm and hailstorm right 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 um which i think so, i'm i'm really glad that they they put that caveat in there because i think if they didn't shift would be absolutely broken so the thing is like i think that's important i agree um but also the fact that like they get i believe it's they get charged and unblockable they turn like well, they technically don't need charge. They get an unblockable the turn that they unshift and such. Like, I I don't know how good the mechanic is, but I, I'm not convinced I'm going to have a lot of fun with or against it. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not really a, a big fan of it, um, just because I don't know if... I, I feel like I'm not going to have fun, except I think it's really fucking sick for a limit. <laughs> Like, I think I have to. I think I have to edit one f word out every every episode, but that's fine. It's kind of funny. I think it's really cool and limited, man. I'll get. I'll give it to you again. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Like, I I think it's really interesting for limited because um, it makes it makes decisions on random cards that like yes. find cards. You add more decisions to them. Excellent. Yeah. It's it's that simple. It just gives the player. Uh, more opportunities to either make mistakes or uh, be the better player, and I anything that does that will make me happy. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of like it, it reminds me of suspend in Magic, which is sort of a similar concept where you have this like more expensive card, right, and you're paying a reduced cost for it, but you have to wait. Uh, you know, so um, I'm I I'm excited because I I like the idea of shift. Um, I don't know if it's going to be good. There are a couple of shift cards that I think are, are really, really powerful. Um, but we'll talk about those in a second. Um, so, yeah. And the last thing before we jump into specific spoilers, uh, I just wanted to mention very quickly that they are releasing a new cycle of uh, smugglers, right? So um, uh, out of the ten faction combinations, uh, we're getting the other five, right? So um, I can pull them up here. Let me just find them. We have so many spoilers now that it's like it's actually kind of hard to. Oh, here we go. So uh, uh, for fans, go ahead. Oh yeah. So so there's uh, uh we have a Praxis, a Stone Scar, a Cambre, 
a huru, and a felm smuggler. Uh, so I'm just gonna uh, ask you this: What of these two do you think are the most like? What name? Name two out of the five that you think are going to see the most play or are the most powerful. Huru okay. is the best. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it says Onslaught, which is if you or a unit have attacked this turn, this triggers. Onslaught, uh, you and uh, Rhyme Conclave Smuggler get Aegis. Uh, and it also says Summon. You can get a card, uh, Huru, card uh, Huru Color card from your Black Market. Uh, and it's a 3-2. So it's a 3-2 with Aegis uh, if you have attacked this turn. And then, which uh, is, hey, it's Merchant. Yeah, it's it's old Genev Merchant before the nerf, which is which was very good. Although you do have to attack, but in a, in a deck where you have like Relic Weapons or other units, like this is fine in Huru Flyers, this is fine in Huru Control. Like This is actually just a good card. Uh, and what's then... the second one? It's hard to pick between Combray and Praxis. Uh, Praxis is incredible for Charge Rod. Um, oh yeah. Although you pro, I don't know if you play a Market Rod anymore. Like that deck might be an eight Merchant deck that plays um, one Rod in the market. Who knows? Mm, sure, but sure, sure. The fact that your Merchant has Charge is excellent. Um, but it's also just nice. Like Praxis just has more Charge now, uh, which right. is scary. And then um, Combray. This effect, it's the same as Alessi, except no armor, which is, yes, that's a big deal. But uh, more of this type of continuous buffing your board out of control, that's scary. I'm excited to play Alessi and Pearl Abbey Smuggler together. Yeah, so, yeah. It's well, hard to pick between those two. So I am, if for uh, other reasons, with other cards that are being spoiled, I am excited to kind of bring back a Combray Alessi deck or like a Combray something deck. Um, but I love I love decks where spells matter. Like Combray Alessi was actually I know a lot of people hated that deck. I loved that deck. I played I even played it a bunch after like all the cards got nerfed. But um, I'm so I'm with you. I think the two most powerful cards here are probably. I mean I think. I think Pearl Abbey Smuggler and the. The Praxis Smuggler, uh, which is East Annex Smuggler. Uh, so that's Com Combray and Praxis Smugglers. Um, I think that they're probably arguably the most powerful, just because Pearl Abbey Smuggler, you can do crazy things. Like, uh, you can um, you can go, per on turn six, go Pearl Abbey Smuggler and just grab a Stand Together. Uh, and uh, when your opponent tries to remove it, you go Stand Together, and then it becomes a 4-3 uh, uh, with Aegis, and that's really good. Uh, and then for East Annex Smuggler, I think uh, what's cool about that is um, a lot of I like I, I really want Praxis Tokens to be a thing again because I, I that's another deck that I really like. But with East Annex Smuggler, because it has charge, you can go East Annex Smuggler, go into your market, grab I don't know whatever. You can grab some card that buffs your entire board. You can grab like Clock of the Stolen Hours. Uh, you could grab a uh, you know a Xenon Obelisk. You could grab a a, a Rally. So some card that buffs your board of like 12 tokens, and this comes down with charge, so you're getting in for an additional 2 to 4 damage, uh, right? So I think that that's very good. Um, plus, it's a 2-3, which is, uh, if you're bringing it down and immediately playing an obelisk, that's, like, that's really solid, because then it becomes a 3-4, and it becomes very hard to kill. Um... um yeah, so... Let's talk about specific spo uh, spoilers. Um, 
So I'll go first because I think that the, like I'm just scrolling down through the Discord here, so I think mine's actually at the top here. Um, so one of my top five is Ice Bolts. Uh, and Ice Bolt says, uh, it's, it's a two cost fast spell with one primal influence, and it says, deal seven damage to a unit. Its owner plays a sigil of their choice from their deck depleted. What do you think, GHP? I think everyone's wrong about this card. Um, I am not as big on Ice Bolt as most players. I've heard, so I've heard lots of people be, this card's insane, bearing to Path to Exile Magic, and then I've heard people go, wow, this card's unplayable. Um, I am... Oh, hold, sorry, hold on one second. She was napping, and then I might be able to get her back to sleep. Just one, one second. Yeah, no problem. Okay. I have time. Hey, we're having such a nice nap, baby girl. What's going on? Yeah, just lay back down on my shoulder. There you go. All right, go ahead, GHP. So, Ice Bolt is in this weird spot where when it's good, it's really good. When it's, like, just a random removal spell, really awkward. So, mm. this does answer... The the home that this comes to my mind for is Skycrag Aggro. Oh, yeah. Because, um... It kills Titan, it kills Vera, it kills Moonstone Vanguard, uh, which is great. And it kills Hojin through, uh, like, an editor at Phytostar, which is cool. Uh-huh. Uh, wait, does it, I... though? Oh, yeah, because yeah, it becomes a... Right? Wait, no, no, no. 2, 1, 4, 3, plus, yeah, if it becomes plus... a 7, 6, it dies. Oh, well, um, yeah, if yeah, they I play, mean, if, if they played a... their turn, and they yeah. played a power, you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say if they played a power and a finest hour, then then you're dead. But uh, but most of the, every other time, it will kill a pumped up Hojin. Um, I think Ice Bolt is okay in those decks. The problem becomes with this card is when you have to cast it on something that's not like the biggest threat. Like if this starts replacing your regular removal spells, we're in a game unlike Magic and where people are like uh, Path to Exiles, which is a a one. For those who don't know, it's it's basically one cost. Kill something and give it void bound. Um, its controller plays a sigil from their deck to play it. Uh, that is a lot better because there's a lot less ways to punish someone for getting a lot of power. In a turtle, uh -huh. there are people casting eight troops. So, like, ramping your opponent is a lot scarier in a turtle than it is in magic. Um, so, I, the other home I can see for Icewood is Potentia and Marcus is just a quick answer. I don't think this card is playable as just a main deck thing in, like, basically anything that's not um, Skycrag Aggro and maybe Haunted Highway. Um, I can't see it being played in, like, FTP or Hoover Control uh, unless it's a market card. I, I don't think this is the best card in the set, like some people are saying. So I, I hear what you're saying, and here I am to tell you that you're wrong. Go for uh, it. So this card, and so let me start with a disclaimer of saying this card, it doesn't just go into every primal deck. This is not just a slam dunk four of in every single deck. Because there are decks like, I don't think this is a mid-range deck or a mid-range card at all. Like we're not, I don't know that we're going to play this in FTP because sometimes the getting the power can, can really matter unless FTP becomes a lot more controlling. Now, that being said, uh, this card is insane in aggro because... Uh, it's seven damage is 
it's almost unconditional removal man like we are playing so few eight health units that like this will kill almost anything uh like amelie springs to mind but like they're like Amelie's not really getting played. Um, I guess, like, Malat and Nikova, but you have to pop Aegis on that anyway. I mean, so there's it hits the 90% of the format, right? Two cost is very good for seven damage. And then in aggro, like, you don't care if they have, if they play a sigil from their deck depleted. Like, there have been very few games where I'm like, oh man, if I only had one more sigil to stabilize against aggro, I'd be fine. Like, I think that's that happens one in a hundred games. And whatever uh but every other game this this card's gonna be insane because you don't care about them getting getting um a, a power depleted right uh and then this card is also gonna be really good in temporal control um this again this is basically an unconditional kill spell uh i mean there are like and again caveat like there are some units that are immune to damage there are like several eight eight health units but for the majority of the format right now, this kills everything. Um, and yeah, like they're they're getting a power depleted, but you have so many other answers that like you're gonna be able to be so efficient with this spell that them getting a depleted power doesn't matter. So this is either gonna go, either gonna go into hard control or aggro. Um, not a mid range card because in mid range you're just trying to like carve out an advantage over many turns, and uh, I don't think this is how you do that. Um, but who knows? Uh, I, I think this card's really, really good. Uh, I just, um, it, it just needs to go into the right deck. Uh, and I think that's either aggro or control. I wonder, like, in a maybe unitless control, this interests me as well. Just well, yeah, because and it's harder to punish those decks. And that's what I'm talking about is like, like, and who, who control or temporal? Like those are the two decks that spring to mind. Is, is hard control decks that have very few units. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and again... What do you got next? Uh, yeah, so ba <laughs> bad bad mid-range card. You're wrong about everything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving on to number two, and again, this is uh, one of my cards because it's next in the list. Uh, Glimpse the Possibilities. Uh, and I, I'm pairing this with another card. Uh, uh, this this is where I'm cheating, right? So, Glimpse the Possibilities, uh, it's a two-cost with one-time influence. It's a spell. Uh, it says cards in your deck have warp this turn. So that's every single card in your deck, right? Um, and then Glimpse the Possibilities is a card that... Oh, man, I messed this up so bad. Okay, so hold on. Glimpse the Possibilities is... Another drum roll. You can do this. I can believe I? in you. Can I though? No. Uh, oh, oh no no sorry sorry. Glim Glimpse the possibilities and perilous research. Okay, so Glimpse the possibilities gives its two cost gives every single card in your deck warp. Perilous research says reduce the cost of each relic in your deck by one. Uh, create and draw an alarming findings. So uh, I don't know how you actually win with this deck. <laughs> But that's for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that doesn't matter. We'll figure that out later. I, there, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But uh, there's a third combo piece called Ancient Clock Tower, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and it says when you warp a unit, it gets plus three plus three. When you warp a spell or attachment, gain three health. 
So you have uh, this attachment or this relic onto the onto the battlefield. Uh, you play a glimpse of the possibilities, uh, and or after uh, earlier in the game, you have played uh, perilous research, giving all your relics, um, uh, making all your relics cheaper, right? And so you are playing the the Aurelian Rats deck, and you have a bunch of free relics, and you're just warping those in and getting a ton of value. And uh, eventually, you'll just like make either a million rats. Uh, and when you make a rat with the clock tower out, it becomes a four four, which is really cool. Or if you play a spell, uh, you can gain a few life, and that's also really cool. So uh, again, not like you know, there are some holes in my synopsis here, but uh, really, really cool combo. Like I think, I don't think glimpse of the possibilities. Like that's not going to be just like a random value card unless there is some sort of uh, warp deck that's really insane. Um, but I think I think this is a combo card, and even like think back to um, uh, Brel, the new Brel. It's the I think it's it's what is it seven cost, uh, and it's a yeah. five five, and it's, it says when you play a um, when you play a spell or no sorry when you play a card you get plus one power. Um, so there's a lot of ways to make glimpse of the possibilities go infinite, and it's not infinite in the way that like. Talir combo is infinite, or in the way that Invoke the Waystones is infinite, but um, what's cool about this infinity loop here is uh, that you can control and target and, and, and otherwise plan out your turns. You're not just playing cards with Destiny, or you're not just randomly dumping five cards into, the, into your void with, uh, with uh, Invoke the Waystones, right? Like, this is a very controlled... Uh, uh, combo, and I think that, that, yeah. that that's very cool. Um, like, like I said, this is a very unrefined idea, but I I am sure that Glimpse the Possibilities has the potential to be absolutely broken. I think this card's busted. Half just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, it, exactly. That's my feeling as well. Like it's, and again, not just gonna be like you're not just gonna slam four of it into any deck. Like you, this is a build around card, but I think it's extremely powerful. Yeah. I wonder if a deck could just toss this card in their market and they get to like eight or nine power and be like, Blood Prevention, let's glimpse. Yeah, right. They hit power. I wouldn't be I, surprised. I I, I'm going to try it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to waste a bunch of shift zone and lose a bunch of games with this card, but I, I'm, yeah, hoping that I can, I'm hoping that I can find some sort of sweet combo with it because I think it's very possible to do that. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was my, uh, that was one of my cards. Um, let's see here. What do we have for you? Oh, you want us to just pick one? Um, well, hold on. I'm, uh, so I'm looking at our list here, and I'm just scrolling through. Where are we? Let's here? do all yours. Oh, here we go. We'll, no. well, it's, it's, it's not in order. I'm just scrolling through the, uh, I'm scrolling through the spoilers discord. Uh, okay. Okay, so the insignias. So there's Fel Insignia. In, or sorry, Feln Insignia, Huru Insignia, Combray Insignia, Stone Scar Insignia, and Praxis Insignia. So uh, each of these kind of do the same thing. So uh, it says gain for so for the Praxis Insignia, for example, it says gain fire and time influence, uh, and it's it's a power card. It says depleted if you have any cards from other factions in your deck. So uh, basically, your Praxis Insignia uh, gains you one power and uh, one fire and one time influence, but only if you're running 
strictly Praxis cards in your deck, right? So, uh, and all the other ones do the same thing. Stone, Scar, Combray, Huru, and Felm. Um, what, these were, these were on your list for your, your top five favorite spoilers. So, uh, explain to me why these are so good, Jerry. Okay. So, we have cards like Seats, which are conditional undepleted, uh -huh. uh, and Banners. But, they, um, they are, like, kind of your best options for undepleted in three faction, and a two faction, so it tells you how to play Waystones and such. You have the, you have things like champions which have super high influence and the warp cycle which is super hard to cast cards. Uh huh. I put this bluntly. So these, if you're just playing like Praxis, it's a always undepleted uh, dual faction card. Uh huh. In dual faction decks, these cards are busted in half, and they're an incentive just to play dual faction by themselves. Because it gives you such good power. And then you have decks like Felon uh, Control, which can now play 16 dual power if it would like, yeah. uh, in order to turn on, like, Champion of uh, Cunning. Yeah, totally. Oh, These wow. These cards I didn't are even, ridiculous. I didn't actually think about that. That is a huge buff to Champion of Cunning. Holy crap. Yeah. These cards are ridiculously good. Uh, uh -huh. One thing to note is cargos are colored. So if you're one of those players playing two faction decks with cargos in your deck for some reason, please take them out. Yeah, you're a garbage um, person anyway for doing that, but now you like, have a reason to take them why out. Why are you... A serious question. People put them in and they're like, because I can. Yeah. But yeah. it literally is worst. Yeah. Well, so... Worst, some, because you, you it know, gets countered by Ranger's Choice. You know, some there's one instance in which case somebody was playing a Huru deck uh and um um uh, who was it? it was uh uh not knife bloom but th so the knife bloom deck that had like uh four hojon and four geomar and like a bunch of bunch of spells yep. um and then the in the following um uh in the following ets or no sorry in the ets uh, community championship uh, almost played a similar deck only he had uh uh, he he had a couple of uh, crests of um, what's the Rakano crest? Uh, crest glory? of glory. Yeah, crest of glory. So he had a couple of crests of glory, and I think he had. I want to say he had like either one fire sigil or like one seed of glory or like or something, just to give himself um, a couple of fire influence. And he was running for um, four of the uh, uh, cargos. So that uh, if the game went long, uh, you know, if, they, if the game went short, he could just have them be Seek Powers, and that's fine. If the game went long, uh, he could give himself a little bit of advantage if he drew his, uh, his Rakano-colored things so that uh, he would turn those things into, into uh, uh, different spells. And I think that idea, like, I, I played that deck a few times, and I was like, I don't know what the percentage chance of this happening is, but it's very low um so, so but, low, yeah yeah but uh it gives you know it gives him a, a couple of extra crests to get a scout which is really cool and it you know in the the one percent of time that it makes a difference it makes a difference and you're it's basically at no cost to you right besides maybe adding in like one more depleted power but i don't think that i don't know but anyway you know, sorry i kind of went off of that, Tim? what's that you know what i think of that tim What's that? Take that crap out of here. We got insignias. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, 
These yeah. cards are incredible, guys. No, incredible. No, yeah, go, going back to the insignias, I went on a bit of a tangent. Um, but yeah, if you were if you were playing cargos in a two color deck before this, uh, you're a garbage person. So stop. Um, the, ins- the insignias are are very very good, and uh, again, like if you're not playing them in your two color deck, you're insane. Um, next on your list, GHP, we have Seek Answers. Uh, it's a two cost factionless spell, and it says choose a power or non power, then draw a random card of that type from your deck. Why is this on your top five, GHP? Well, I have no idea if this is actually playable and constructed because it's like it's kind of slow, and you don't have any choice. Mm-hmm. So, like, but this is a super interesting card, and it's okay. also probably playable in draft. Agreed. Uh, but I have a theory on how to play this current constructed that's really powerful. What's that? Fifty power decks. Oh, jeez. No, because those decks usually, not only do they want to play 50 power, they typically, if they could, would like to play more. This could help you play more, like, a higher density of the cards you want. Uh Uh-huh. By, you draw this and, oh, I'll just go get a non-power card from my deck. Um, I think this is just a powerful effect that helps mitigate flood, or screw, depending. Um, and it's factionless, which is nice because that means anything can play it. Yeah. I don't know if this will see play. No. But, but this is a card that people want it some way for a long time. I'm really happy we got it. I think in limited, this is an okay card. Um, not an all-star. I, you know, I think, um, I think it's, like, I think this card's really, I'm sort of in the same boat with you. It's like, this card... And we talked about this a little bit last week, where it's like, this card has a narrow... Or not, sorry, let me let me start over. This card requires you to build your deck in a certain way for it to be good, and I really appreciate... I really appreciate cards like that. Like, I... If, if there's a card that's busted, but it's only busted if you warp your deck to, to fit around it, uh, then, then that's kind of cool. Um, uh, you know, if it's too busted, that's a problem, but that's another topic. Um, but yeah, I think that the fact that this is a build around and also like, also like just right, it, it randomly a power fixer or sometimes late in the game, like, like I think this card, um, I think this card replaces petition maybe. Yeah, um, that could be an option. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the two cost cargo in a way where it's like, oh, well I don't need a power. So I'm just going to play this and draw a random card. Cause like, there's a lot of times where like, if you're playing FTP, for example, like and you're late in the game and you're top decking and you draw seek power it feels so bad and so uh in this case you draw this and you're like oh cool i can just draw any random card right because there are some times where you draw power and you're just like well i wish that was any other card <laughs> so in this case it can be any other card the fact that you don't choose which means like this is, it's hard to count this as necessarily fixing but it's better at getting you like oh, a critical right, right. yeah which yeah. kind of sucks like that's the bit if this was you could Draw power of your choice to your deck, or a random non-power card. It'd be it'd be great. Yeah. It'd obviously be better than petition. So they're slightly different, but um, I think this card is um, like I just think this card is interesting enough. Pushing sleep. Yeah, I think I think um, I think it is really interesting, and I'm excited to try it out. 
Uh, so next on the list, uh, and we should uh, go over these next ones a little bit more quickly. We're, we're pretty long here, so sorry to everybody listening, but also thanks for listening. Uh, so Spiteful Strike. Uh, it's a one cost with one shadow influence, and it says give a unit plus two plus one, lifesteal, and quick draw this turn, and it is a fast spell. GHP, this card seems powerful. Why don't you, why don't you explain to us why it, why it is so powerful? So Rapid Shot got nerfed a while ago to two costs. It was one cost, give a unit plus four attack, and quick draw this turn, and it was very, very good. Uh-huh. Um, but normally Rapid Shot overkills. So this card often won't overkill, but instead is one cost and gives lifesteal. Also the one health can matter. Um, yeah. I think this is just an insanely good card in Shadow Aggro decks because um, it helps you get your units through it also helps you race uh, and it's cheap that's the thing most of the combat tricks of the game besides fighter star right now are like two cost uh, right and the the one cost ones are super good because like turn two play this is the best scenario but turn two play hojin turn three play power attack four your opponent blocks with something i play this spell i gain you know a ton of life i'm too lazy to do the math right. and <laughs> play a power from my deck and play another two drop yeah but if it was rapid shot uh my hojin probably just traded you know um sure because or i didn't develop more this turn so it allows you to have super super efficient turns yeah well and it's it's interesting too because um this kind of reminds me of uh cabal tactic uh in a way uh, just because that card gives plus two attack and quick draw to two units, but this is, uh, and it costs two after it's transmuted. Um, so this is like kind of just like half of Cabal Tactic, but it's also with an additional upside of lifesteal. So that seems really good. Like, if, if, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, this card's, this card's really good. I think, uh, you know, this might... Uh, I... I'm probably going to regret saying this, but who knows? Maybe this will bring back Thelm Berserk for a little while, a deck that I'm a really big fan of. Uh, but yeah, this card's this card's really good. I think this will see a bunch of play, um, you know, maybe AP aggro, Thelm aggro, something like that. Uh, okay, next, uh, we have a card on my list, and you're probably going to hate this, uh, <laughs> but uh, Phase Out. Uh, so I think that this card is insanely good. Uh, let's go over it. One cost with one time influence, and it says choose a unit and shift it, and it is a spell. Uh, what do you think about this GHP? I'm sure that you like I I man dollars to donuts. I would I would bet that you think this card is bad. You owe me like some dollars and donuts because I think this card's great. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. I just think that, that makes me happy either way. <laughs> um, card is really powerful. Um. Don't ask me where this goes, because that's... I don't know. I don't, like... But in a vacuum, this card's really powerful. Maybe, like, aggressive time decks, especially where we have, yeah. like, a Mard Stinger with has a really good infiltrate. Like, it doesn't... Wait, if you... Um, if you play, like, a Mard Stinger, I hit you, and then I phase out does it technically leave like the battlefield like does it reset no i it so i don't think so i think it stays on the battlefield uh and it just you just can't um the dire wolf is a very specific it's saying you just can't click on the card so you can't target it or, or click on it um and it stays on the battlefield because you can still harsh roll it away or whatever right 
Yeah. So, okay. so, so it doesn't like it doesn't. I don't think it resets infiltrate if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't do that. But one thing you can do is like point uh play a unit and then basically use this as like a protection spell. Yeah. Um, well, and honestly, I, obviously it doesn't stop like harsh rules, but it stops most things. What I was thinking is this goes into, and it kind of in the same vein as, as Ice Bolt, this goes into either aggressive or control decks. Um, I, it might go into mid-range decks, I'm not sure, but you can either use think, this uh, as like, uh, I'm going to protect my unit from your removal for a while, uh, and then attack with it when you're not ready, which forces your opponent into some, some really awkward positions. Um, but uh, in, in an aggressive time shell, uh, like let's say Combray Aggro, like being able to just go like uh, phase out your unit and, and bash... Uh, is is pretty good, um, and and in control decks like this, it's it's one cost, which is super cheap. It is it's a slow speed spell, so that's like that's the only downside for me. But you can just go shift your unit, and um, uh, uh, shift shift your unit, and then three turns go by, and that's a long time in a control deck. So shift your units, uh, draw some cards, kill some other stuff. Or like you could like shift a bunch, like shift a couple units with a couple phase outs, and then by the time they get their units back, you have found your harsh rule, and you just sweep the board. Um, like there's there's a lot of applications for this card, and I'm sure that there's some ways that you can use it on your own units as well. But right now, I I just want to use this on my enemy's units. Right. That's uh, also interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, moving on to why is that in your top five? Jeez. Okay. Because it's a site! Fight moving, me! Moving on to Thud Rock's Masterwork. Uh, th this is an interesting one, and this is GHP's card, just so you all know. Uh, it is a site. Everybody, we got a new site. It's three cost. Ooh, three cost site. That's pretty cheap, right? With two primal influence, it has one health. And it says... Read the card! It says, Your Yeti and Snowmen have plus one, plus one. Thudrock's agenda. Jump kick, snowball, and fend off. And fend off is a one-cost fast spell that says, Stun an enemy unit, scout. Why is this card so good, JHP? No one... Uh, this is not a top five good cards. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it's just top five no. favorites. <laughs> Thudrock's Masterwork is a really cool card for the Yeti stack. Um... It helps you stay ahead and also lets you commit to the board without, um, like, basically without, uh, like, developing too much into a harsh rule. Sometimes you save your units from Hailstorm. Uh -huh. And Yetis did want another, like, plus one, plus one effect uh, to go with one. The yeah. cards on it are okay, so it's plus one, plus one flying, deal one damage, and stun something. But getting Thudrock is pretty good. Um... I think this site's okay. It's obviously only okay in Yetis, but and it has what helps so it dies to a lot of things. But uh, the question mark for me on this, A, is this good enough to make Yetis popular? And B, um, there's so many three drops in Yetis between Crunch, Wump, uh, technically the Bond unit, that, and Smugglers. It's a little awkward to try to fit another three drop into the deck. I wonder if this is just a market card for Yetis, but I love this card. It suits the Yeti style, and it also like it. There are games where you're gonna put your opponent goes turn two Hojas, you're gonna go turn three Thudrocks, Masterwork, Snowball, kill your Hoja. 
and then if they play another threat, you fend it off. Right. Like, it's actually pretty good at defending itself for so, a three-cost set. Yeah, I I think a lot of people, uh, and I was kind of giving you crap about this card, but, uh, so, it can, it, the, it anthems your team, so it gives all your, your, your yetis and snowmen plus one, plus one. It does only have one health, but it's still a sight, so it's a little bit harder to deal with. Like, you can't just torch it, right? Um... Uh, but yeah, being able to go turn three Thudrocks, Masterpiece, Snowball, Ahojan, or whatever, that's fine in and of itself. Um, and then you have a threat that your opponent has to deal with. So that's cool. Um, Fend Off is also fine. Stun an enemy unit and scout. That, you know, stun an enemy unit, get in with your yetis, whatever. Um, uh, but uh, I, do, I do love this card because I, I think it's just like the flavor is just perfect. And it, I think it will fit into some Yeti's decks. Uh, and I also just love that it dies to Snowball, which is just a large helping of irony. Yeah, it's it's weird. You know yeah. one thing you could do is if you and I are playing a Yeti's Mirror, I could play my site, and then you could play yours as Snowball my site, and I'll feel real stupid. <laughs> and I'll be real angry and quit the game. Like, oh man, if that's if, it's if, horrible. If I'm ever playing a Yeti's Mirror on Ladder where we both play this site, I'm I'm probably I don't know what I'm I, gonna do. I'm gonna be very either very happy or very sad. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next spoiler one we wanted to talk about, and I think we only have a couple more. Uh, yeah. So uh, Death Pit is uh, on my list for uh, one of the. I think this is probably this has the potential to be a very very good card. Uh, it's a three cost with two time influence, and it says. All units have charge. So that means your units, your opponent's units, all units. Um, the reason I think this is good is because there's symmetry, right? Uh, so your units, all the units have charge. And at first glance, a lot of people will probably be like, oh, like, that's bad. Like, you're just going to get punked by your opponent's units, whatever. Uh, but the answer to that is play bigger, dumber units. Like, <laughs> like you, you don't yeah. have you don't have to play this on turn three and just sit around. Like you're playing this and then you're playing like World Bearer Behemoth or something, right? Like you're you're doing busted thing. The, the the point of this card is to do busted things with it while your opponent is doing normal things with it. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna play my like one drop and attack you for two. It's like, fine, I'm gonna play my five seven and attack you and get a power and hit you for five, right? So, I think I think this card has potential just because it's, in my opinion, it's gonna be very easy to break the symmetry. Plus, also, uh, I believe that this just makes charge rod better, right? Like, does this kit does this um. If, if you have this on the board and you play a charge rod, does any unit you hit hit the battlefield? Yeah. yeah, so that's that's really good. Like, there's a lot of ways to break this card, and I think it's really cool. Also, yeah, the fact that it's uh, the fact that it's three cost is also very good. My fear of this card is the fact that uh, you you play it, and then your opponent likely gets to hit you first. So yes, you're right. You could build around it way more. Uh, but, uh, like, I am concerned, kind of like Nightfall, where, like, you really need to hit your opponent way harder. Yeah, well, and uh, that's and that's a that's a good comparison, is, like, if you're just Nightfalling for value, then you're doing it wrong, <laughs> right? <clears throat> yeah. And it's it's kind of the same thing. 
Um, yeah, but moving moving on to uh, let's see. I think we have just a. I think we just have a couple more here. Uh, so uh, embargo officer. Uh, this is on my list. Uh, it's one cost. It's a two one. Uh, it says cards can't leave markets or voids. Shift two. So, uh, you can play this just as a one drop, which is fine, although it dies to a lot of stuff. Or, you can play it for two, and for three turns, uh, your opponent can't, uh, can't interact with it outside of a harsh rule, and it says cards can't leave markets or voids. So, uh, what do you think about this, GHP? It's like, some more market hate. Uh, like, they tried, they tried... Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, sorry. So, so they, they tried to <laughs> give us... They, they... Juniper likes that card a lot. Uh, so they tried to give us market hate with Pony Snatcher, and that didn't really work out. Um, but this is like hard market hate, hard void hate. What do you What do you think? I think this card's cool. It does die to a lot of things, which I think is actually a good thing. Right, I agree. Uh, I I just think this card it hates enough things that it might see a play. One thing you could do is actually put this in your market, so I can go like. Merchant, play this. You can put. You can't put your markets now. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty cool. Well, but it also, also like it like, has shift, justice loves this. It has shift two as well. So when you, you also can, relevant. Yeah, so you can you can play it for two, and then your opponent can't interact with it outside of harsh rule. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, uh, I think like aggressive justice decks decks that could utilize this as a one power play. Yeah. Definitely might want to look into this. I don't think it like replaces Distinctive Fortune and Mercano Aggro, for example. But right. maybe there's a deck that wants both. Well, maybe, maybe there's yeah. like there was a Mono Justice Aggro deck floating yeah. around, and it was playing. Uh, what was that Oni? It's like it's a one-two with Warcry. Uh, like uh, Samurai. Yeah, Oni Samurai. Right. So they were playing that card, and I think that that card is actually really bad. So I think having a two-one with this really powerful effect is also very good. Uh, moving on to ooh, one of the spiciest cards on your list here, uh, Godon the Undefeated. So, Godon is a uh, is a five cost five fire influence uh, warp card. So he's one of the one of the cycles. Uh, he's a five five, or she actually I I don't know. They are a five five. Uh, they are, they have charge and warp, and it also says your other units have warp. What do you think about this card, JHP? Why did this make your top five? You missed two very important words. What? No, I said so. It's a it's a five uh, five cost uh, five fire influence. It's a five five. Uh, it says charge and warp. You're already, oh, and it's it's a gunslinger oni. Yeah, those um, are words. Oh jeez. Oni Mo is really relevant, actually. Mono mono red the, onis, mono red gunslingers. It lets the oni deck just have more refuel, which it was lacking. Uh, okay. This is a good five drop. Um, it it hits people in the face. It gets you a lot of value. Um, maybe you play this in like, I don't know, Charge Rod. Um, <laughs> God, Charge Rod got just like a huge boost. In Charge this Rod is that's such a scary deck. Yeah. Um, like Charge Rod is probably mono or is probably Praxis now. Like, it doesn't need to high roll anymore with, like, a power, I don't think. Um, I think this is just a good card. It might see playing, like, maybe it sees playing, like, Stone Scar. Just, like, 
if you build the power base a little towards it, like, because this is a really powerful effect. Yeah. So maybe that's a thing. Um, where you play this in Stone Scar and just um, have this as a top end unit, uh, because it it has charge, which is good. It helps with like your burn your opponent out plan. And also just get you value. Like this living, you can just start playing more units without having to commit too much. Um, yeah. I think, I just think this is like, I know this sounds dumb, I just think this is the card, and I think it's going to see play. Well, even uh, just like, a 5-5 five, five for 5 that has charge, and gives all your other units warp, like, that's pretty good, and the fact that it has warp is even better. Like, I think Yeah, warping warp... this in... Go ahead. Warping this in is basically insane. Yeah, and... You know, in like so, one of the reasons Heart of the Vault is so good, for example, is it's in Praxis colors, right? So, so time and fire, and in those kinds of decks, you usually don't have a way, a, a ton of ways to generate a bunch of card advantage. So you have to do it in more sneaky ways, right? Like, like warping like in cards. Warping <laughs> yeah, it, well, and and that's that's different because that's like a three for one in and of itself. Heart of the Vault's just busted, but uh, but yeah, like like you're you're generating uh, card advantage by getting Heart of the Vaults or or bringing back Dawnwalkers. Um, and so this is just, this is like some sneaky card advantage that also gives you more card advantage if it sticks. So yeah, I think, I think this card's very good, uh, and I'm, I'm excited. Also revealed by fellow team rank star member, Captain Team Bro. So thanks for the reveal there, buddy. Um, but yeah. So those that was are... all of our top 10, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so those are our, those are our top 10 spoilers. Uh, so far and you know we have we have the rest of today uh so be on the lookout for those in the discord channel channel of um this there's been of, a hot one posted since we've been here <laughs> yeah so there I, we actually so breaking breaking news here uh we are getting a couple of new spoilers as we speak uh okay ghp we're running long like really long on time so i would like you to pick one of these to talk about we'll heart stopper Okay, I'm, I'm glad you picked that, because that's the one I wanted to talk about. So, Heartstopper is a 4-cost, 2-shadow influence, 3-4. Uh, it has flying, and it says, the first time the enemy player discards a card each turn, draw it. Just so you know, I believe this counts as the top card of their deck, too. That's still discarding. I think you're right as well. Like I so hope so, because this card's busted in a discard. Does this just, like, dunk? So, first of all, does this just dunk on Reanimator? Like, can you just play this? <laughs> can you just play this card and draw every card that they discard? Yes. Cool. And I didn't then, think about that. And then, what about what about Mill, Jerry? How does the, how is this in Mill? This is a, like okay. We don't know if Mill is good enough yet, right. but this card is a four of it a Mill. Yep. Um, I don't think this is good enough for just like Stone Square mid range with no effects, unless it's a market card. I could but see then it I probably. Card maybe just play steward who knows yeah like if you really want to hit reanimator but in a deck in an actual mill deck sometimes mill has a problem where it's like i'm getting so close but i'm running out of cards mm. uh this Indeed. is just excellent for that yeah um well and so so let's ignore ignore the text box besides flying for a second so it's a three four for four which is with flying which is fine I think, it's it's slightly below the vanilla test but uh as we've discussed on the show before and which i bring up probably way too much 
three every four, episode. Yeah, three fours are insanely good. Dodge's Torch, Dodge's Vanquish, um, it, uh, which are probably the two most played removal spells. Um, so they have to have either a hard removal spell or uh, they have to have like Double Torch or like an Annihilate or something like that. Um, so already it's a little bit trickier to deal with just uh, for run-of-the-mill removal. Um, but then, yeah, just like... Being able to grab this out of your market and 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 it, or or play it as a four of in a mill deck or whatever, um, I I think that this this card has a lot of really cool applications. I don't know if it's going to be insanely busted, but I I think it's going to be very good. Uh, I, in certain situations. Well, imagine um, you go like turn uh, turn five Heartstopper Chairman's Contract. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that, that's self mill. Sorry, I'm done. Or or no no no. Uh, so okay, here here's another one for you. Another card that just got spoiled spoiled. Uh, it says it's a one cost. It says vi it's it's vicious rumors, right? It's a one cost with one shadow influence. The player of your choice discards the top two cards of their deck. Boom. Yeah. Combo. So turn five, heart stopper plus vicious rumors. You just got a three four and a wisdom of the elders for one. That yeah, you seems... only would draw one. Yeah. That's wait. Oh, the first time, right? But well, whatever. You you know you you get to draw one, which is which is really good. Um, but yeah, so that's a really cool card. Um, but we, we gotta, we gotta wrap this up. We're at like an hour Let's 45 right now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a couple of quick shout outs before we go. Uh, shout out to teamrankster.com. Uh, that's the team, uh, GHP and I are on. Um, a lot of really great players on there. Uh, but teamrankster.com has articles go up on the website every single day, uh, from me and GHP as well, as well as uh, let's see, Isochron puts up a bunch of articles. They are such a great writer. They do Meta Monday for us, as well as a bunch of uh, opinion pieces. Uh, Kalebovich, aka Just Call Me Caleb, uh, he writes uh, one or two articles a week about drafting, and he is, uh, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's the best drafter in the world. And uh, I am so, like, we are both so fortunate that he hangs out in team chat and, like, talks about picks with us because he is an extremely smart guy um so and, and his drafting with the stars article he he puts so much work into those um so definitely go check those out you can also find the unexpected results podcast with man to man and platypus king uh, another great podcast um but go check out teamrankstar.com free fresh content every single day so uh, stay tuned on that and then also uh inkedgaming.com uh trs's sponsor you can go to uh, get some custom custom playmats for Magic or some some t-shirts or hoodies. Um, really cool website. Um, a friend of ours, uh, Magikarp, he works there, uh, and uh, it's just it's just a great company, great great concept, uh, and really cool stuff that you can buy on there. Use the code TRS12 at checkout and get twelve percent off your order. And last but certainly not least, I just want to give a shout out to. Um, our first patron, uh, first patron, friend of the show, uh, friend of GHP and I, um, who helped us test uh, in this last ECQ. Uh, his name, of course, is Shy City Shogun. Thank you so much for the five dollar month pledge, Shy City Shogun. Uh, I had a chance to to chat with him uh, for a little bit and play some games with him, and he is just such a such an incredibly nice guy. He also, you know, he he's got a got a got a family too. Um, uh, he's got a little four-year-old, which is really cute. Uh, but but he was he was kind enough to to donate uh, to pledge to us. Um, so thank you to him. He got access to our exclusive backlash Discord. It is exclusive for patrons. 
uh, where we will be discussing deck lists and uh, tournament results and general eternal stuff. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think those are all the people I wanted to give a shout out to. What do you think, JHP? Are you ready to ready to sign us off? I'm ready. All right, sign us off. Give us something spicy. Well, Dark Frontier will be out by the time this podcast is out. I hope you are probably playing the game while listening to our cast, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this installment of Backlash. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about you know the Draft Masters Challenge and what we've thought of the set so far and how it's unfolding, so it'll be an exciting one. And uh, yeah, I want to say thanks for everyone for tuning in, and of course, Tim, for being our lovely host. You're welcome, GHP. We all know right. that we all know that I make the show, and uh, you're just icing on the cake. I'm yeah, the I, I'm the I'm the thick the thick seven layer center. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys listening, and thank you so much uh, for uh, subscribing to our Patreon. If that's what you're into, you can check that out uh, at. Uh, patreon.com forward slash backlash podcast thank you so much and we'll see you next week go have fun playing and drafting dark frontier see you guys later